While this news is a bit late, I do have some a sad notice, Spencer, who is considered the greatest living American author, Cormac McCarthy, at 89, has died. So, no more McCarthy books coming out so we can finally read his whole bibliography. I'm sure he had a couple scored away, probably. Yeah, there's probably going to be 50 books that pop up after he's, uh, well, I don't the state gets through with them. I don't know as much about him like as you do. Was he like a... A constant writer kind of guy, or was he like very because like his style was he kind of very slow and methodical, like you know, like it takes. I think him- it's the latter because Stella Morris and or the Passenger and Stella Morris, those they were split into two books, but he originally wrote them as one book. But I think he started those in the seventies. Those were just released this past year. Yeah. So I think he's more of a, a slow going writer, but. Regardless, he has passed, and I only read three of his books so far. Well, and also, too, I thought, well, maybe, like, maybe he was a quick writer, but, like, some people don't like... Putting out the work? Yeah, or, you know, like, to have big gaps or whatever, you know, make them wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Yeah. You only read Blood Meridian, half of Blood Meridian. No, more, like, maybe, like, 30%. I would recommend reading The Road before you make an opinion on his writing. Yeah. Because I think you'd really like The Road. Uh, I read Outer Dark as well. That was a very, because I, I, I didn't send it to you. I sent it to Ashley earlier. I found a contest. I think it's called Buyer Press, and it's uh, a gothic story contest. Ooh. And I was like, well, what exactly constitutes, I know like Frankenstein, Dracula, but like what really constitute like a modern gothic story? And I remember hearing uh, Outer Dark was a gothic tale, and I looked it up. It's Appalachian Gothic. Mm. Uh, and it has a very profound me- message, which is like something along the lines of, you know, your sister's for practice and your cousin's for marrying. Mm-hmm. No, that's not that. <laughs> but it does start off with the brother and sister have a baby together, uh, which is why, like, you know, obviously you marry the cousin. You, yeah. you practice with the sister and get yeah. good, and you know, if you're an Appalachian. Yeah. Or Spencer Church. Oh, oh. I'm going to have to use Appalachian in your name today. Oh. <laughs> Gross. But did you ever find out, like, gothic? What What I got is gothic is basically... Just, kind like, de- of, like, depressing? No, it's kind of a romanticized version of death and despair and usually some kind of love. Because, like, Jane Eyre and Wuthering Heights count as gothics, which I haven't read those. I wouldn't have thought those were... But I guess those are gothic stories, and those are just about relationships. I don't, I'm assuming people probably die on those. But basically just like this, you know how like Dracula was, where you had this weird fantastical element of like longing and love, and there's always this death that overshadows everything. And uh, it's almost like fate that you just can't be together. Hmm. Not Romeo and Juliet, but, you know, kind of similar. Just, you know, if it was written in a gothic sense. And also there's dark gloominess and vampires yeah yeah so i'm thinking about writing something for that contest i'm not sure i never as far as i know i don't think i've ever written anything in a gothic okay. style right or at least on purpose anyways yeah at least on purpose um so anyway do you have any news or should we go to the big episode at hand uh well i can we can talk about something um this week i started the- oh I've, I, how did i you know who cares about that spencer okay. we forgot you have gigantic news we should have opened with the gigantic <laughs> news not the Probably way more important news. Yeah, McCarthy's passing. She says, "Well, Spencer Church's gigantic news." I will not state the name because this is not set for release until 2024. So you know, I don't like to jinx things around here. Yeah. Naka, naka, naka. But one Spencer Church 
has submitted a story to a horror anthology, a print book, and they actually pay ten whole dollars. Ten whole dollars is more than I've ever oh, made yeah. off of my stories. And you got accepted, sir. I did. You even had to sign a contract, which was ridiculous. Yeah, we had to figure out how to sign the contract because it wasn't like an e contract; it was like a PDF. That was a little bit of a, a trial and error there, but you can officially say you are an established author now, Spencer. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And get the book in print. Get the book in print. So when we get near that time, uh, we'll have more information on that. Definitely, but definitely. Like I said, it's a late release date, so it's going to be a while. I'm yeah. hoping it's like earlier 2024. <laughs> January. Yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, so anyway, uh, other news. Uh, so the... The recent book that you let me borrow, the... The Sailor Who Fell from Grace with the Sea. You dropped it in the toilet, didn't you? Well, yeah, but... uh, The only fucking (laughs) From Japan. Yeah, yeah. I I started it on uh, Monday or Tuesday. Okay. I'm about 70 pages in now. Not a very long book, either. No, no. It's smut. It's smut? Yeah, it's smut. It's gross smut. <laughs> Where do you get the smut? They give you the right book? Yeah, the fucking the kid's watching his mom get Oh yeah, through the hole. Yeah. And then he's naked with his like four other <laughs> friends killing cats. Like little kittens. Like It's very that's one of the most disturbing scenes in that book too. When he they kill the cats. I'm like or the little kid. I'm like, oh don't do that. And then the, like there was a there, there was like a whole chapter of basically the mom talking about i can't remember if it was the mom or the sailor that the mom hooked up with just talking about like caressing her and and holding her breasts in her in her hands and and things and stuff like that well listen spencer yukio mishima was a closeted gay man so take it with a grain of salt it's not uh him sexualizing there's it's the art it's yeah. not smut it's art yeah yeah read the art and in the japanese are different <laughs> yeah. Especially back then, they're different. <laughs> Way different. Yeah, I forgot about that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Good book. I like that book. You would with your fucking uh, Shut up. 100, 120 days of, of sodomy. <laughs> Sodom, not sodomy. <laughs> yeah, we know what Like it is. Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be. Shut up. <laughs> sodomy. 120, straight butt sex for 120 days. Ouch. <laughs> uh, we have an episode for you today. <laughs> So stick around for that and enjoy the intro music as we always do. You are listening to the Drunken Penwriting Podcast. I'm your host, Caleb James. With me today, Spencer of the Appalachian Anal Argonaut Church. Oh. I went triple noun. No verb. I know Jason of the Argonauts. I don't know exactly what an Argonaut Argonaut is. That was just going to be my question. So I kind of used it as a verb, like you're an Argonaut of anuses, but I don't know what that means. Ah, That's not my best. Mm. Today, Spencer brought this up since we... Discuss Cormac McCarthy's passing in the cold open. Why don't we just cover his books? Yeah. For the actual episode. So I found from the New York Times, Spencer. Ooh. You know who wrote this article? The New York Times. The New York Times. That's all it says. The book staff. Uh, You know you're a fancy publication when you don't even have (laughs) names of the authors. You just have staff. JetGPT or whatever is the writer writer of the article. Oh, this is the freshest article you've ever covered. June 13th. Oh, wow. Two days ago. Because he just died. Yeah, probably. 
Uh, I'm not going to crib uh, because I don't want the New York Times to, to sue me. So I'm not going to read their opening here. But it's just uh, not an obituary for Cormac McCarthy. But, you know. Uh, going over the, the highlights. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. We'll just go into the books here. This is the book that uh, the, this isn't listed in numbers. This actually says reading guide. A guide to Cormac McCarthy's books. I don't think it's a reading guide. Just a guide. The first one on this list, though, is Suchery from 1979. Now, this one, a lot of people say is their favorite McCarthy book. It's like Blood Meridian, but I don't think it's as violent. There might not even be. I don't even know if it's a violent book. Let me read about it. Read about it. But the it. language, as far as I understand, goes along the lines of Blood Meridian with the meandering, long, uh, endless sentences of detail and prose and beautiful, poetic, lyrical words that make you want to cry and at the same time make you want to punch a baby to death. Yeah. It's feelings. Ugh. Some of us have them. Some of us only know anger and resentment. Is that a feeling? I resent a lot of things. Yeah. Sutri. Many scholars consider this to be McCarthy's greatest Southern novel. It traces the title character's life along the Tennessee River in the spirit of a doomed Huckleberry Finn. I like that idea. Mm. As the Times wrote of the book, having left behind a little of a privilege, Sutri spends his days fishing, trawling Knoxville's seedy underbelly, and mingling with drunks, grifters, and misfits. Misfits. His attempts to connect more meaningfully with others invariably end in disaster. At nearly 500 pages long, it's one of the reasons I haven't read it yet, because 500 pages of Blood Meridian-style yeah. writing is going to be difficult. At nearly 500 pages, this whip-sawing, Picard-esque... Is that the right way to say that, Picard-esque? I never use that word in real life. I've only ever read it. This whip-sawing, Picard-esque is McCarthy's longest and perhaps most autobiographical novel and reflects the height of his sardonic humor. Mm. Didn't give you a plot there. Just so you know. I don't know if you like. Should you use a word like sardonic before he, before humor? Well, it's sardonic humor. It's the kind of humor. Think of a dark humor. Yeah, I would guess. Next up, Spencer's very favorite book of all time. He has thirty-seven editions of this. Blood Meridian, nineteen eighty-five. You um, love you love Blood Meridian. They're really trying to get like they're like, hey, look, if you got to make it through the hard ones first, yeah. Well, the funny thing is, too, like, so even Blood Meridian, which is considered his magnum opus, he did not get famous until all the pretty horses came out, which well, was like in the 90s, which was his closest to a commercial style book. Like, he wrote it and it, it's read like, you know, like one of these best selling kind of novels, like something that anyone can read. It's not dense and hard like Blood Meridian. But anyway, Blood Meridian, uh, folks, you could just check out our episode we did on it, uh, <laughs> Halloween last year. There's many people who did not like our take on it, and some people applauded our honesty and bravery of saying we did not care for the book. But a lot of people were just really upset. Yeah, well. This scorched earth epic is wildly hailed as McCarthy's masterpiece, a challenging, some might say impenetrable, and breathtakingly violent tale of a teenage wanderer known as The Kid who heads across the American South and into Mexico in the mid-19th century. Uh, there's a lot of blood and violence, and considered the most horrendous villain in all of fiction, the judge, yeah. who's like a giant, tall, buff, 50-something, 60-year-old albino man who just <laughs> yeah. rips people and rapes everybody. He, like, rips everybody apart, rapes them, does horrible things. Very violent book, but uh, listen to our episode. I'm not going over it again. And also, if you notice, folks, I said Blood Meridian without the echo effect and the evil omnia oh, yeah. ambiance. Out of respect. Th- out of respect for Cormac McCarthy, I will be done with the, the joke. And you only know this if you're a longtime listener. Whenever we bring up Blood Meridian on the episodes, 
It's always very demonic sounding when I say well, it. I mean, I think we might be able to use it later, just not in the episode where we're out of respect. It. Yeah, honoring. for today we yeah. will not mock the the Blood Meridian. But maybe later we will. Oh yeah, I'll give it a week. <laughs> All the pretty. He was eighty nine. It's yeah, not like he, I mean, yeah, he had a long. He didn't die skydiving. It wasn't a tragic accident. He's just old. It happens. He lived a full life. All the pretty horses, nineteen ninety two. This first installment of McCarthy's Border Trilogy, which includes The Crossing, 1994, and Cities of the Plain, 1998, was his breakthrough novel commercially. The story of a 16-year-old boy who rides to Mexico with a friend after being evicted from the Texas ranch where he grew up. It has an... Oh, they love using words. <laughs> it has an elegiac... I'm assuming that's it. It has an elegiac quality and a plain spokeness that... Oh, man... It has an elegiac quality and a plain spokenness that his earlier thornier fiction mostly lacked. It's cowboys and horses. Yeah. It's horses in it. Oh, the pretty horses. It was a Matt Damon movie, I think. Yeah. No Country for Old Men, 2005. Now, that was a movie which I also didn't see, and that had that uh, Javier Bourdain, yeah. something like that. He has the funny hair in the movie, and he's very evil. See, I, I, uh, I've I, only seen it like one time, and I, well, I remember enjoying it. So maybe that would be interesting a good read. To, to try to, you know. I'd maybe read The Road and then No Country for Old Men. Yeah. McCarthy's novel was turned into an indelible film by the Coen brothers, but get past that. The book, A Piece of Bravara Storytelling, is well worth revisiting. It's about a drug deal gone wrong in an average Joe who stumbles upon more than $2 million in a leather satchel. Two million dollars in a leather satchel. See, no, Not pesos. See, then, no, that seems like a story I can get into. Like, you know... It's grisly. Yeah. It's violence. In the movie, I know a guy gets killed with one of those uh, things they use to kill, like, sheep and horses. Yeah, that's or like his go-to cows. weapon. Yeah, I just blast them in the head. What do they call that thing? Because uh, it's like air, isn't it? It just like, yeah. shoots air into the brain or something. The Road, 2006. This brooding post-apocalyptic novel details the journey of a father and his young son in the wake of an unspecified catalysm. This was an excellent book. Uh, I loved it. Again, though, uh, Cormac McCarthy's actual writing style is not necessarily for me, mainly because of the punctuation. Yeah. As we've discussed many times, he doesn't use quotation marks and things like that, and it kind of pisses me off. But the book I really enjoyed, and the movie I enjoyed as well, because I watched the movie not too long after reading the book, and it was also very dark, bleak, and grim. More so, the book does have a message of hope about keeping the fire alive and that there are possibly good people in this world. Which is about as bright as it gets for Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. This might be the last one on the list. It is, and this was his most recent that we talked about in the cold open, I think. The Passenger and Stella Morris 2022. Uh, this one, I'm, I, was, I actually pre-ordered these. And my pre-order was, I, I paid for it. And it was never fulfilled by Amazon. And after like three months, when the book was already out and I still didn't get my copies, I just said, fuck it, got my money back. Yeah. And I'm not going to read this book. And after I listened to, because uh, I, I listened to the Reading McCarthy podcast, which is excellent for McCarthy fans, or even if you're not a McCarthy fan, just the discussions they have, uh, it's really worth checking out. But they covered these two books, and it is not for me. No. I'll give you the brief synopsis, synopsis here, and I'll let you decide if it's for you, Spencer. 16 years after The Road, McCarthy released two new novels that were vastly different from anything he'd ever published. The intertwined works explore arcane scientific and metaphysical fields of study that McCarthy had long been obsessed with. Quantum physics, the philosophy of mathematics, and theories about the nature of consciousness. 
In The Passenger, McCarthy tells the tragic story of Bobby Western, a salvage diver who is haunted by the loss of his sister Alicia, a beautiful and troubled mathematical genius who died by suicide. The companion novel, Stella Mars, which is a lot shorter and I believe is only dialogue, uh, focuses on Alicia with a narrative that unfolds as dialogue between Alicia and her doctors at a psychiatric hospital in Wisconsin in 1972. In their conversations, Alicia reveals how her pursuit of revolutionary mathematical theories made her question the nature of reality and drove her to inst- insanity. Uh, the problem with the, both of those novels, because the first one, The Passenger, actually sounds more palatable yeah. uh, with the, him being a salvage diver and probably drinking and doing stuff like that. Apparently, he goes real physics heavy. Yeah. And like the math, it's like a David Foster Wallace bullshit. Like, we're going to talk about math real sure. hard, man, because I love math. So people want to read about math. No, the fuck we don't. Mm. Uh, so that's not going to be for me. If you are one of those people who love math, <laughs> if you love maths, I think we always say it wrong in the U.S. It's actually maths. What? It's plural because it's not just one math. It's, you I know, guess. numbers. If you go to other countries, they call it maths. But I can't even say properly maths. Say maths. Maths. <laughs> I, I want to say maths. Like, <laughs> it doesn't sound like it gives you a list. Maths. <laughs> I hear British people say it and they sound fine, but I don't know. But if you like the mathematics, and I think it's also math because there's more than just one kind of math. It's not just, you know, calculus, trigonometry, geometry. This is fucking just endless shit, algebra. So. I don't know. I never have any of those classes. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't more know good into that trigonometry yeah. stuff. I uh I have a math app on my phone I was doing for a while and I tried out the trigonometry. <laughs> Not <laughs> no. for Caleb, his dumb dumb brain said no. <laughs> if the US has done anything well, it is to create the stupidest fucking people. Because oh, yeah. even if you're born intelligent, like you have the IQ ability, if you go to public school, it's very difficult. Like it's very hit or miss. It's like putting, you know, drawing names out of a hat, whether you'll get a teacher that gives a shit enough to teach you anything. Right. And put you on the right track. But if you just get one bad teacher off Jump Street, like most of us have, uh, your whole career just goes down to like, oh, I missed like one year I had a really bad math teacher in like fifth or sixth grade and then I never recovered. Yeah, just like I just back. I was never good. Like as soon as we learned algebra, like I had a real shit teacher that didn't care, didn't teach it barely. And then any year after that, it's like, oh, I'm lacking now. And they never go over the things you already learned. Say, like, oh, you're in Algebra 2. You have to just learn it now. You just have to know this. I always just failed miserably at that kind of stuff. I never, I was like a C student in math. Like, I, I was able to get enough, just like bullshit my way through it enough. This is before smartphones and everything yeah. and all the cheating. Right. And the AI that's going to replace any math needed from all these smarty pants. But I was never generally good at math to begin with because I always, it seemed like every year I got stuck with shit teachers, honestly. Oh, yeah. I don't think I ever had a good mathematics teacher. So by the time we got to no. high school and we had to do like, I don't know, fucking, I didn't take chemistry. I never had to take chemistry for some reason, but I think I had to take like, I don't know. What were the other classes for that? I didn't take trigonometry. I took like a different, like algebra two or three or some shit. Mm. And maybe I took, uh, I want to say geometry, but I don't think there's a class. I don't know. Yeah, I took something dumb. But regardless, I, I did not learn anything, and I, long story short, I go on that app, and I feel like a big dumb he- dummy head that had to go back to the middle school stuff and try to learn, you know, my basic divisions and, and say, stuff what again. What makes you feel more dumb, dumb, the math one or the language ones? Oh, the math one by far. The language ones I can grasp. I never had a problem in English class. I, like, I always bullshitted my way through that, but English class was the same every year. Yeah. I don't know if you had, I mean, yeah, maybe they teach you new things, quote unquote, but everything was like, it's it's language, it's the same shit. Like, if anything, you just, maybe you had harder books you learned to read and shit, but 
as far as the actual grammar and all that stuff, like you learn it once and that's it. Yeah. But math, it's always new stuff and it's scary stuff. I feel like math, you can just make things up and they're like, well, it's not proven that. You can now with Common Core. That's another thing. As soon as we got out of school, they just completely reinvented math. Like now they just do Common Core where they just want you to guess. Do you ever see those classes? Like how they, they have the kids do it? Like if you put the right number down, they're like, no, that's wrong. What you wanted to do was like five plus five plus five plus five plus five. And then you get like the number. But once you get into like harder things like multiplication and stuff, it's just kind of like, hey, if as long as you're close, like you get 60 and the answer 61. Well, you got it through common. Like, it's just some kind of dumb nonsense. And that was very terrible how I explained that. It's not as stupid, but I, I did take like some common core, uh, not classes, but like online tests just to yeah. see like what what is this about? And I was so mad because like I got the answer right. Why did I fail? Because you didn't. I know you used to get mad probably when they would do that. You got to show your uh, work. Okay. I got the answer, man. Isn't that good enough? Yeah. It's like, do I have to really have to show my work? But it's like that. So, you know, even for dumb shit, say you want to do five plus five is ten. Well, you got to show your work. How? Uh, just five plus five? Or they want you to do one plus one plus uh, one? But, like, yeah. they just they break it down. But Common Core is, like, they, they have this fucking long-ass round. Basically, if any of these people become cashiers, good luck getting your fucking change back unless the machine tells them. Right. Waitress. Yeah. The, uh, Trying to figure out the tip and, like, the thing. Like, oh. Here's my... My gripe. We're done with Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. Rest in peace, Cormac McCarthy. Those are the books you should read. We're going to go on some rants for a little bit here, and then we're going to be done. Yeah. <laughs> so here's here's my gripe. So math. Yeah. U.S. math, you want people to get better in this country? I think the whole U.S. public, private, all that, the, the whole education system, just do what China's doing. Whatever China does, just copy them. <laughs> just copy them. They, they, they steal all our intellectual properties. They rip us off all the time. Fucking steal the, what they do in education. I know now they got those fucking scary like AI things like on their head and they like monitors if the kids are sleeping or if they're tired or how focused they are. Maybe not go that far, but like take whatever math they're doing. We need that math. Well, but do you think do you think that's more culture than like? Well, their government makes them not be dumb. Yeah. Like even like their TikToks, which we talked about before, the algorithm set so you get educational TikToks. You don't get the dummy ones. We get the dummy ones yeah. specific. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think they made it that way. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> they made the TikToks. I don't like the fact, though, that Americans are so dumb that even compared to our somewhat dumb European counterparts, like, we, you know, we've had plenty of British folks on now. Yeah. That we got a general consensus that British people are just as stupid. They just have better accents. Yeah. But British people are still... I'm not going to say more educated, but I feel like their education system is still better. They know a lot more, especially when it comes to like, you know, the Shakespeare and stuff they're, like that. They're more knowledgeable. Uh, I would say they're more worldly. It always seems like they have a better understanding of their history, too. They have a better grasp on history, especially not even just their history, but just like world history in general. They have a good grasp on that. Uh, and I'm talking about I'm, we're, this is for young people yeah. because the young people are the dumb fucks right now. I mean, we're dumb fucks, but like the young generation's really dumb. It's not their fault. No, it's just you know, obviously, lack of. Uh, if you got dumb fuck parents, which would be our generation yeah. and above, and then the education system's dumb. What are the kids going to turn out to be? Right. Yeah. Again, not dumb. You can have the intellect. It's just the because for a long time, I would say I was pretty fucking stupid yeah. in my life. But it had nothing to do with my intellect. It's the fact that I was never taught stuff. Like, even simple things like, oh, how do you change your oil in your car? Who right. If you don't have somebody to teach you, right. then how are you supposed to know? Well, you teach yourself through YouTube. That's kind of ghetto. 
and I'm a hands-on learner. I need somebody like if somebody's gonna show me, like I do it myself. Like right. you tell me, and I do it. Yeah, that's how I learn. So like YouTube, that's a little difficult because I'm going by a video. So where was I? I was uh, railing. Oh, so in the UK, one you know, just being in Europe in general, which might change now because of Brexit, you used to be able to just go all over Europe. You know, any Europeans like they want to go on a trip. Uh, to France, it doesn't take very long. Maybe Just hop on the train. Yeah, an hour, hour or two. And guess what? There's a whole different language, a whole different culture. What do we got in the U.S.? Unless you live in one of the states bordering Canada or Mexico, you're not just going to hop on down somewhere and have a completely different language and culture. And well, uh, well, c- culture I mean, a little bit. It, it mingles in the yeah. The, you get accents. I mean, obviously, it mingles in the states. You can. I mean, if you want to find Mexicans, it's not hard. If you want to find Asians, if you want to find anybody, it's not hard to find in the U.S. But just as far as like being an English speaker who is yeah. surrounded by you know, like you can't like if you went to Mexico. You better look. You're probably gonna learn some Spanish, even if you don't know any, right? right? Yeah. But as far as the U.S. citizens, the U.S. is just so big, we just generally don't have to worry about that. But then that makes us very shallow. And uh, for some reason, the U.S. like we used to be good about knowing our history because in school they actually did teach history a lot. But now, and I think a lot of it has to do with this uh, whole trend of certain demographic. Uh, Southerners, more of the white Republican breed, who don't want us to know certain histories anymore. Yeah. And now they're not just whitewashing the histories; they're just making a- certain aspects of it completely disappear. Which I never get because it's like everybody knows like that happened hundreds of years ago. Yeah, like it's like if anything, you think you would want to be like, yes, we learned from this history. We aren't like this anymore. But here's the thing, Spencer. This, the, I'm gonna this, drop this, this bomb on you. They real still quick. are like that. Well, yeah. I'm going to drop this bomb on you, and you can choose to explode or not. I don't know what that means. I just like saying it. So, Spencer, history repeats itself, right? Which is why you have, to, time, you, have yes. to learn your, you have to learn from history or you're doomed to repeat it. Yep. So what's the if you want something to come back, <laughs> if you wanted a certain era to have a reemergence, how would you do that if people know the history of that era and how awful it was? Yeah. You make them forget. Right. You make it so they never know about it. So if you say 100 years from now, if talking about slavery and everything that happened in the 1800s was completely, ab- and before the 1800s, obviously, but everything leading up to the end of slavery was completely abolished from schools and made illegal to talk about and no movies and shows and like you couldn't learn about it anymore. Uh, and, you know, all the books are banned and everything. After like 100 years of that, people forget. Yeah. And then what can finally make a comeback? Because right. we won't know about it. So, you know, won't be so educated on it. And maybe it wouldn't be so bad if we, they're lower income. These people have nothing. Yeah. Why? We give them jobs. We give them housing, Spencer. Mm-hmm. We And you know what? We can't have you know, other Americans do it. Yeah. That'd be kind of fucked. What about the Mexican yeah. folk? They're struggling. They're coming over here illegally. Let's just take them. We don't have to pay them yeah, because yeah. we're housing them, right? Yeah, they they have food and a place to sleep. Yeah, they'll be fine. They could just work our farms, do the jobs we don't want to do. Sad thing is, Mexicans already kind of do, do that. that. Uh, they at least get paid for it. But you know, if certain uh, business owners could get away with it, they wouldn't pay any of us. No. Uh, so basically, what I'm saying is. Um, Banning books is bad. Banning history is bad. Americans being dumb is bad. Not only like that, like the you know the the slavery thing, like that they were dealing with, but like this could be one of the most times like in like uh, at least in recent history where there's like 
multi layers of that because now there's also like economy like slavery like you know yeah like, the classism yeah if you're you know well we're bordering like you know revolution france like when the, like the french revolution where poor people said fuck you rich people we're yeah. chopping off your head like we're getting to that level now well, actually we're way beyond that level but you know as far as the gross disparity between wealth income you know inequality but for the first time in history we have so many conveniences that people aren't willing to sacrifice even the even if your job is horrible and your life completely sucks you know you still maybe have air conditioning and it's you like, have a tv in an apartment like you can't give that up it's like i could gather my buddies and 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 storm the 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 home office of amazon and you know and get bezos's yeah. head but but i do like my two day shipping yeah like, see, it's just like <laughs> Uh, so as long as people are willing, but he is also slowly just like strangling the country to death. Yeah, he's definitely strangling it. But as long as people are complacent with the little amount of stuff they're able to have, the little you know creature comforts, they're never gonna rebel. They're just gonna fight each other about stupid shit. We're not gonna go into all that, but it is a sad state of affairs. Yes. Um, going back to books. If you read some of Cormac McCarthy's books, you do see a lot of these elements that we just talked about. So check them out, man. Bringing it back. Not really well. I did a terrible job, but also I have my headphones cut out again, so I can't hear myself. So <laughs> I'm just rambling into an empty microphone and my levels have cut off and I'm just really fucking irritated with this <laughs> mixer. <laughs> like, why do I have to yell at it for it to go to normal red or like uh, yellow, I mean? Oh, man. Ah. Why? 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 I'm going to buy a fucking $800 mixer, Spencer. So what's going to happen? Can't have this keep happening every episode. We're going to have to get like a glass jaw to put on it, though, so the cats don't lay on it anymore. It's digital. doesn't have knobs. Uh, doesn't have all these stupid fucking knobs. Did I fix it? I feel like if, yeah. whatever those buttons do, they seem to help. Just press and unpress. Just flick those. Before I do anything drastic and spend all my money on a mixer, maybe I'll get one of those air things oh, for the like keyboards yeah. and blow it all out and... Like I said, shake it, <laughs> shake it. It also probably has something to do with the cats chewing on every cord in here. Yeah. That might have, because there's bite marks and everything. They do like the cords. So <laughs> that might have something to do with the quality of the mixer. See, now I got real loud again. And the thing is, when I listen to the playback, it just sounds kind of even, even though it almost sounds like, you ever listen to like a, something on YouTube, for some reason one of the speakers doesn't have volume? Mm. It's like they like what whoever made the mix only did the right side or something. Yeah. It kind of sound like that when I listen back. Like, why is it not as loud on the other side? So something's fucked up. Regardless, we don't have anything else to talk about. So, folks, if you want to check out my work, CalebJamesK.com. I've submitted to a bunch more places. So god damn it, if I don't get in somewhere, I'm gonna end it all. <laughs> not my life, just the writing career. Yeah, my, my life. Mm -hmm. Sick of it. Sick of it, but this is fucking sick of it. Tired of it. No, I won't do that. Uh, Spencer, you could check him out at the Appalachian Ass Solder Annihilator, uh, Anus Albatross, Ar Arbuckle, Fatty Arbuckle, Agamemnon, um, Agamemnon, <laughs> Spencer, <laughs> the Agamemnon's Anus. <laughs> Spencer, I know what your name was the whole time. Spencer, the Appalachian Anus Argonaut Church at OnlyFans. Dot OnlyFans. I don't. It's not a website. It's an app. Uh, and you can follow us at DPW Podcast on everything, pretty much. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. That's not everything. Probably not even close. There's, th there's Tumblr. Is that still a thing? Oh, I don't know. Tumblr was out there. We don't. Ha we never had one. Snapchat. 
Snapchat, nah. We actually had some fans that wanted us to do a Snapchat. I was like, what the fuck would I do on Snapchat for DPW? Hey, come for the podcast. What are you guys doing? Hey, you need to buy these athletic greens. It'll make you make you <laughs> make you poop green. Cream and scream. Get these athletic greens and you'll be athletic as fuck. Uh, use code DPW podcast for ten percent off. If you want the extra ten percent off, use the asshole argonaut of Anatronics. Do you want to drink green? Do you want to drink green? the color of pond water? <laughs> and yeah. And it's just fucking, you see particles floating around in it. Like. Hey, Caleb James here from the DPW Podcast. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to Squarespace. Space. You have a website that you really need to work on, but you are not technologically savvy because you're illiterate. Uh, I don't fucking, I, I hate those ads so much. It's like, every, who's technologically illiterate now outside of the eight? Like, if you're building a website, you probably know how to do something on the computer. Right. They're for you, Spencer. That's who, that's Yeah, who it is. is for me. Uh, what am I talking about? Anyway, we thank you for listening and even though this episode was most likely terrible, uh, we'll probably have a better one next week. And, and offensive to Mr. McCarthy. Yeah. He didn't seem like the nicest guy, actually. His name was Charlie. Ooh. Yeah, Charlie McCarthy changed it to Cormac. Oh, phony. Hey, he actually has a brother, Dennis McCarthy, who oh, yeah. who's a writer as well. And he had a book, and I want to say it's like a detective story Ooh. or something, or I forget. I don't think that's right at all. But it's completely like genre, like yeah. not McCarthy literary writing. So if you want to check that out, Dennis yeah. McCarthy, who is still alive, has a book out, at least one. At least one. Probably more. I don't know. <laughs>